0: part two chapter one section two of crime and punishment by fyodor dostoevsky translated by constance garnett this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part two chapter one section two the lady in mourning had done at last and got up all at once with some noise an officer walked in very jauntily with a peculiar swing of his shoulders at each step he tossed his cockaded cap on the table and sat down in an easy-chair the smart lady positively skipped from her seat on seeing him and fell to curtseying in a sort of ecstasy but the officer took not the smallest notice of her and she did not venture to sit down again in his presence he was the assistant superintendent he had a reddish moustache that stood out horizontally on each side of his face and extremely small features expressive of nothing much except a certain insolence he looked askance and rather indignantly at raskolnikov he was so very badly dressed and in spite of his humiliating position his bearing was by no means in keeping with his clothes raskolnikov had unwarily fixed a very long and direct look on him so that he felt positively affronted what do you want he shouted apparently astonished that such a ragged fellow was not annihilated by the majesty of his glance I, I i was summoned by a notice raskolnikov faltered for the recovery of money due from the student the head clerk interfered hurriedly tearing himself from his papers here and he flung raskolnikov a document and pointed out the place read that money what money thought raskolnikov but then it's certainly not that and he trembled with joy he felt sudden intense indescribable relief a load was lifted from his back and pray what time were you directed to appear sir shouted the assistant superintendent seeming for some unknown reason more and more aggrieved you are told to come at nine and now it is twelve the notice was only brought me a quarter of an hour ago raskolnikov answered loudly over his shoulder to his own surprise he too grew suddenly angry and found a certain pleasure in it and it's enough that i have come here ill with fever kindly refrain from shouting i am not shouting i am speaking very quietly it's you who are shouting at me i am a student and allow no one to shout at me the assistant superintendent was so furious that for the first minute he could only splutter inarticulately he leaped up from his seat be silent you are in a government office don't be impudent sir you're in a government office too cried raskolnikov and you're smoking a cigarette as well as shouting so you are showing disrespect to all of us he felt an indescribable satisfaction at having said this the head clerk looked at him with a smile the angry assistant superintendent was obviously disconcerted that's not your business he shouted at last with unnatural loudness kindly make the declaration demanded of you show him alexander grigorovitch there is a complaint against you you don't pay your debts you're a fine bird but raskolnikov was not listening now had eagerly clutched at the paper in haste to find an explanation he read it once and a second time and still did not understand what is this he asked the head clerk it is for the recovery of money on an IOU, a writ you must either pay it with all expenses costs and so on or give a written declaration when you can pay it and at the same time an undertaking not to leave the capital without payment and not to sell or conceal your property the creditor is at liberty to sell your property and proceed against you according to the law but i-i am not in debt to any one that's not our business here an i o u for a hundred and fifteen roubles legally attested and due for payment has been brought us for recovery given by you to the widow of the assessor tsarnitsin nine months ago and paid over by the widow tsarnitsin to one mr Chebarov. we therefore summon you hereupon but she is my landlady and what if she is your landlady the head clerk looked at him with a condescending smile of compassion and at the same time with a certain triumph as at a novice under fire for the first time as though he would say well how do you feel now but what did he care now for an i o u for a writ of recovery was that worth worrying about now was it worth attention even he stood he read he listened he answered he even asked questions himself but all mechanically the triumphant sense of security of deliverance from overwhelming danger that was what filled his whole soul that moment without thought for the future without analysis without suppositions or surmises without doubts and without questioning it was an instant of full direct purely instinctive joy but at that very moment something like a thunderstorm took place in the office the assistant superintendent still shaken by raskolnikov's disrespect still fuming and obviously anxious to keep up his wounded dignity pounced on the unfortunate smart lady who had been gazing at him ever since he came in with an exceedingly silly smile you shameful hussy he shouted suddenly at the top of his voice the lady in mourning had left the office what was going on at your house last night eh a disgrace again you're a scandal to the whole street fighting and drinking again you want the house of correction why i have warned you ten times over that i would not let you off the eleventh and here you are again again you you the paper fell out of raskolnikov's hands and he looked wildly at the smart lady who was so unceremoniously treated but he soon saw what it meant and at once began to find positive amusement in the scandal he listened with pleasure so that he longed to laugh and laugh all his nerves were on edge ilya petrovitch the head clerk was beginning anxiously but stopped short for he knew from experience that the enraged assistant could not be stopped except by force as for the smart lady at first she positively trembled before the storm but strange to say the more numerous and violent the terms of abuse became the more amiable she looked and the more seductive the smiles she lavished on the terrible assistant she moved uneasily and curtsied incessantly waiting impatiently for a chance of putting in her word and at last she found it there was no sort of noise or fighting in my house mr captain she pattered all at once like peas dropping speaking russian confidently though with a strong german accent and no sort of scandal and his honour came drunk and it's the whole truth i am telling mr captain and i am not to blame mine is an honourable house mr captain an honourable behaviour mr captain and i always always dislike any scandal myself but he came quite tipsy and asked for three bottles again and then he lifted up one leg and began playing the pianoforte with one foot and that is not at all right in an honourable house and he ganz broke the piano and it was very bad manners indeed and i said so and he took up a bottle and began hitting everyone with it and then i called the porter and karl came and he took karl and hit him in the eye and he hit henrietta in the eye too and gave me five slaps on the cheek and it was so ungentlemanly in an honourable house mr captain and i screamed and he opened the window over the canal and stood in the window squealing like a little pig it was a disgrace the idea of squealing like a little pig at the window into the street fie upon him and karl pulled him away from the window by his coat and it is true mr captain he tore sein Rok. and then he shouted that man must pay him fifteen roubles damages and i did pay him mr captain five roubles for sein Rok. and he is an ungentlemanly visitor and caused all the scandal i will show you up he said for i can write to all the papers about you then he was an author yes mr captain and what an ungentlemanly visitor in an honourable house now then enough I have told you already, Ilya Petrovitch, the head clerk repeated significantly, The assistant glanced rapidly at him. The head clerk slightly shook his head, so I tell you this, most respectable Louisa Ivanovna, and I tell it you for the last time. The assistant went on, If there is a scandal in your honourable house once again, I will put you yourself in the lock-up, as it is called in polite society. Do you hear? so a literate man an author took five roubles for his coat-tail in an honourable house a nice set these authors and he cast a contemptuous glance at Raskolnikov. there was a scandal the other day in a restaurant too an author had eaten his dinner and would not pay i'll write a satire on you says he and there was another of them on a steamer last week used the most disgraceful language to the respectable family of a civil counsellor his wife and daughter and there was one of them turned out of a confectioner's shop the other day they are like that authors literary men students town criers phew you get along i shall look in upon you myself one day then you had better be careful do you hear with hurried deference luisa ivanovna fell to curtsying in all directions and so curtsied herself to the door but at the door she stumbled backwards against a good-looking officer with a fresh open face and splendid thick fair whiskers this was the superintendent of the district himself nikodim fomitch Louisa ivanovna made haste to curtsey almost to the ground and with mincing little steps she fluttered out of the office again thunder and lightning a hurricane said nikodim fomitch to ilya petrovitch in a civil and friendly tone you are aroused again you are fuming again i heard it on the stairs well what then ilya petrovitch drawled with gentlemanly nonchalance and he walked with some papers to another table with a jaunty swing of his shoulders at each step here if you will kindly look an author or a student has been one at least does not pay his debts has given an i o u won't clear out of his room and complaints are constantly being lodged against him and here he has been pleased to make a protest against my smoking in his presence he behaves like a cad himself and just look at him please here's the gentleman and very attractive he is poverty is not a vice my friend but we know you go off like powder you can't bear a slight i dare say you took offence at something and went too far yourself continued nikodim fomitch turning affably to raskolnikov but you were wrong there he is a capital fellow i assure you but explosive explosive he gets hot fires up boils over and no stopping him and then it's all over and at the bottom he's a heart of gold his nickname in the regiment was the explosive lieutenant and what a regiment it was too cried Ilya petrovitch much gratified at this agreeable banter though still sulky raskolnikov had a sudden desire to say something exceptionally pleasant to them all excuse me captain he began easily suddenly addressing nikodim will you enter into my position i am ready to ask pardon if i have been ill-mannered i am a poor student sick and shattered shattered was the word he used by poverty i am not studying because i cannot keep myself now but i shall get money i have a mother and sister in the province of aix they will send it me and i will pay my landlady is a good-hearted woman but she is so exasperated at my having lost my lessons and not paying her for the last four months that she does not even send up my dinner and i don't understand this i o u at all she's asking me to pay her on this i o u how am i to pay her judge for yourselves but that is not our business you know the head clerk was observing yes yes i perfectly agree with you but allow me to explain raskolnikov put in again still addressing nikodim fomitch but trying his best to address ilya petrovitch also though the latter persistently appeared to be rummaging among his papers and to be contemptuously oblivious of him allow me to explain that i have been living with her for nearly three years and at first at first for why should i not confess it at the very beginning i promised to marry her daughter it was a verbal promise freely given she was a girl indeed i liked her though i was not in love with her a youthful affair in fact that is i mean to say that my landlady gave me credit freely in those days and i led a life of i was very heedless nobody asks you for these personal details sir we've no time to waste ilya petrovitch interposed roughly and with a note of triumph but raskolnikov stopped him hotly though he suddenly found it exceedingly difficult to speak but excuse me excuse me it is for me to explain how it all happened in my turn though i agree with you it is unnecessary but a year ago the girl died of typhus i remained lodging there as before and when my landlady moved into her present quarters she said to me and in a friendly way that she had complete trust in me but still would i not give her an i o u for one hundred and fifteen roubles all the debt i owed her she said if only i gave her that she would trust me again as much as i liked and that she would never never those were her own words make use of that i o u till i could pay of myself and now when i have lost my lessons and have nothing to eat she takes action against me what am i to say to that all these affecting details are no business of ours ilya petrovitch interrupted rudely you must give a written undertaking but as for your love affairs and all these tragic events we have nothing to do with that come now you are harsh muttered nikodim fomitch sitting down at the table and also beginning to write he looked a little ashamed write said the head clerk to raskolnikov write what the latter asked gruffly i will dictate to you raskolnikov fancied that the head clerk treated him more casually and contemptuously after his speech but strange to say he suddenly felt completely indifferent to any one's opinion and this revulsion took place in a flash in one instant if he had cared to think a little he would have been amazed indeed that he could have talked to them like that a minute before forcing his feelings upon them and where had those feelings come from now if the whole room had been filled not with police officers but with those nearest and dearest to him he would not have found one human word for them so empty was his heart a gloomy sensation of agonizing everlasting solitude and remoteness took conscious form in his soul it was not the meanness of his sentimental effusions before ilya petrovitch nor the meanness of the latter's triumph over him that had caused a sudden revulsion in his heart what had he to do now with his own baseness with all these petty vanities officers german women debts police-offices if he had been sentenced to be burnt at that moment he would not have stirred would hardly have heard the sentence to the end something was happening to him entirely new sudden and unknown it was not that he understood but he felt clearly with all the intensity of sensation that he could never more appeal to these people in the police-office with sentimental effusions like his recent outburst, or with anything whatever and that if they had been his own brothers and sisters and not police officers it would have been utterly out of the question to appeal to them in any circumstance of life he had never experienced such a strange and awful sensation and what was most agonizing it was more a sensation than a conception or idea a direct sensation the most agonizing of all the sensations he had known in his life the head clerk began dictating to him the usual form of declaration that he could not pay that he undertook to do so at a future date that he would not leave the town nor sell his property and so on but you can't write you can hardly hold the pen observed the head clerk looking with curiosity at raskolnikov are you ill yes i am giddy go on that's all sign it the head clerk took the paper and turned to attend to others raskolnikov gave back the pen but instead of getting up and going away he put his elbows on the table and pressed his head in his hands he felt as if a nail were being driven into his skull a strange idea suddenly occurred to him to get up at once to go up to nikodim fomitch and tell him everything that had happened yesterday and then to go with him to his lodgings and to show him the things in the hole in the corner the impulse was so strong that he got up from his seat to carry it out hadn't i better think a minute flashed through his mind no better cast off the burden without thinking but all at once he stood still rooted to the spot nikodim fomitch was talking eagerly with ilya petrovitch and the words reached him it's impossible they'll both be released to begin with the whole story contradicts itself why should they have called the porter if it had been their doing to inform against themselves or as a blind no that would be too cunning besides pestryakov the student was seen at the gate by both the porters and a woman as he went in he was walking with three friends who left him only at the gate and he asked the porters to direct him in the presence of the friends now would he have asked his way if he had been going with such an object as for koch he spent half an hour at the silversmith's below before he went up to the old woman and he left him at exactly a quarter to eight now just consider but excuse me how do you explain this contradiction They state themselves that they knocked and the door was locked yet three minutes later when they went up with the porter it turned out the door was unfastened that's just it the murderer must have been in there and bolted himself in and they'd have caught him for a certainty if koch had not been an ass and gone to look for the porter too he must have seized the interval to get downstairs and slip by them somehow koch keeps crossing himself and saying if i had been there he would have jumped out and killed me with his axe he's going to have a thanksgiving service (laughs) and no one saw the murderer they might well not see him the house is a regular noah's ark said the head clerk who was listening it's clear quite clear nikodim fomitch repeated warmly no it is anything but clear Ilya petrovitch maintained raskolnikov picked up his hat and walked towards the door but he did not reach it when he recovered consciousness he found himself sitting in a chair supported by someone on the right side while someone else was standing on the left holding a yellowish glass filled with yellow water and nikodim fomitch standing before him looking intently at him he got up from the chair what's this are you ill nikodim fomitch asked rather sharply he could hardly hold his pen when he was signing said the red clerk settling back in his place and taking up his work again have you been ill long cried ilya petrovitch from his place where he too was looking through papers he had of course come to look at the sick man when he fainted but retired at once when he recovered since yesterday muttered raskolnikov in reply did you go out yesterday yes though you were ill yes at what time about seven and where did you go may i ask along the street that's short and clear raskolnikov white as a handkerchief had answered sharply jerkily without dropping his black feverish eyes before ilya petrovitch's stare he can scarcely stand upright and you nikodim fomitch was beginning no matter ilya petrovitch pronounced rather peculiarly nikodim fomitch would have made some further protest but glancing at the head clerk who was looking very hard at him he did not speak there was a sudden silence it was strange very well then concluded ilya petrovitch we will not detain you raskolnikov went out he caught the sound of eager conversation on his departure and above the rest rose the questioning voice of nikodim fomitch in the street his faintness passed off completely a search there will be a search at once he repeated to himself hurrying home the brutes they suspect his former terror mastered him completely again end of part two chapter one recording by expatriate in bangor maine